Hello and welcome to Earhopper Presents. Let's talk about the podcast where I interview interesting people about interesting things and hopefully have an interesting conversation. This week, in a dramatic turn, my good friend Lonnie Rovzar, an art appreciator, an art maker, a space imaginer. She and I went to Taco Bell. Yeah, that's right. There's a Taco Bell just south of Pacifica on the ocean. And you should go to our YouTube channel to watch footage of us eating at that Taco Bell, looking over the ocean. I want to apologize to my audio friends. Had a little trouble in the RV. The auxiliary battery stopped working, which meant that I had to record directly into my Mac laptop, which luckily was fully charged. We had a great talk. Uh, We actually talked for many hours, but the last hour was pretty clutch. Uh, We talked a lot about comfort and home, motivations, desires, you know, the weather. Anyway, without further ado, here's Lonnie and me. Hello and welcome to Earhopper Presents Let's Talk About. And today I'm with Lonnie Rovzar, one of the most interesting people that I've met since I moved to San Francisco. Hi there. Hi, Greg. <laughs> We're sitting in the back of uh, Bunny Earhopper, uh, overlooking uh, Ocean Beach in San Francisco, California, and we just ate at the Taco Bell in Pacifica. Yes. Supposedly one of the most beautiful Taco Bells in the country, if not the world. I can't imagine there's a better one, but um, I'm going to do some research online when I'm <laughs> back and grounded. Uh, we shot some video. You can watch that on the Earhopper YouTube, uh, which is a nice supplement to today. And we've, we cheated. We talked a whole bunch before we turned on the microphone. And today we're talking about comfort. Mm-hmm. Comfort. Yeah. And I, the first thing I want to talk about is um, we were trying to figure out what uh, Lonnie is. <laughs> because when I do these, I like to introduce people and say they do. Oops, sorry. And I think the what we came up with was you're a curator of space. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good general kind of description in the way I guess I think about myself a bit. Um, I have a bit of a hybrid background and a bit of the whole problematic jack of all trades. Yeah. Um, but I had worked in the arts for about ten years, um, and so was involved um, more directly in a curatorial way. I owned my own um, arts agency in the, in San Francisco for a while and I did curate a space in downtown SF, um, part of my, my current job and overlapping a bit. Um, and kind of what I do for work now has to do with creating spaces within buildings and mm-hmm. a facilities way and furniture and mm-hmm. um, trying to evoke feelings and or as any space would uh, optimize for uh, its best use. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So previously, I guess like the curation was more high concept and you coming into four white walls or yep. seeing something. And now it's more, um, environmental mm-hmm. in how you engage with the space a little mm-hmm. bit more, which is, I guess a, a flip side of, uh, thinking about space. I think before I thought about it more as walls and now, now I'm thinking about what happens within the walls yeah. pro- programmatically. Well, I think too, like when I think about, um, what I know about you is you've always, you've always been a fierce defender of the arts. Yeah. I'm just going to say that because <laughs> when we first met, we met in 2011 uh-huh, yeah. at a restaurant yeah. and mutual friends yeah. heard, overheard each other talking. And then do you remember when we hosted a few? Yeah, I was just thinking about that. <laughs> so there was a time during that cuspy. So I had that was lived, before you were, had your current job, I think. That's correct. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was in a bit of an activist stage. Um, not that I wasn't kind of coming from nonprofit work. So I, I, Study the arts. I came to 
Um, I came to the Bay Area uh, for an arts residence, well, not a residency, but for an internship at the Headland Center for the Arts in oh, Sausalito. And that. so my first six months in the Bay was living and working there with these insane artists like McCarthy Genius Grant winners, international people. And what's really cool about the Headland Center for the Arts is it's one of the only artist residencies in the world that's about process, not product. So most residencies that you go to, you're kind of expected to make something. And the Headlands really embraces being there and doing whatever it is you need to do to be an artist. Whether oh, you're just absorbing the energy around it, you're needing to recoup, or if you become prolific. And it also sponsors a lot of partnerships because there's, you know, um, people converging there. Yeah. So it really helped frame kind of like my entrance into... Um, SF. Yeah. Um, and I, I worked in the arts for many years in SF and nonprofit and kind of got blown out and sick of it around 2010 uh, yeah. and left. Um, you went to New York, right? Oh, I went I went to South America to surf for a couple months. <laughs> I was living in Brazil for a month and then oh, Guatemala, touring around. And then it was the height of the recession. I quit my job at the height of the recession, you know, yeah. and um, moved to New York. Yeah. And really wanted to try corporate life because I just wanted to run a little bit faster yeah, yeah. than I had been before and, and try to flex those muscles. Did that for about two years, came back to SF right with like the new tech kind of yeah. um, launching itself. Yeah. And I came back and I'm like, I know this city so well and yet something shifted Got in it. it. And a lot of my artist friends were leaving. Yeah. And, you know, everyone that had a mission in the studio was now getting pushed to the dog patch, but then getting pushed to Oakland yeah. or they were leaving for L.A. or, yeah. you know, so all this gentrification was happening. And I got really concerned about it because it, it, San Francisco has always been a transient town. We were talking about right. that. People yeah. come and go. But in waves, people were leaving, like yeah. core people were leaving. And um, and I wasn't seeing them replaced either because it used to always be a push and pull of like, yeah. you know, people would leave, but then some co cool new people were coming and, and adding to the like cultural richness and vibrancy of the city. Yeah. And <clears throat> Rebecca Solnit wrote this piece about the Google bus. It was the Google bus piece. Yeah. That was an opinion piece that just called out via the vehicle of the elusive Google bus, which yeah. was kind of talisman a symbol, a symbol yeah, yeah. Of, uh, of like NPR tech culture. Me. I'll get to that but really? Oh, yeah, really okay yeah. about the same thing interesting like so I was I didn't know what to, it, it struck a chord with me and yeah. she talked about you know San Francisco always being a gold rush town and people would come and make their quick money and leave and yeah. you know if we already have a legacy of that is it is this okay? Is this the new version of that? Of that? An extension of new... that? And then that way we shouldn't be so uppity and nimby about everything. Um, or is this a, is this markedly a different situation and what is it doing? And so we hosted, uh, so I wanted to get a long story longer. Yeah. I wanted to get a group of people together right. to have a salon dinner to talk about this issue. And so we had it at your place and you yep. were living I was in the outer in mission. mission. And I had moved here uh, to work for a tech company. That was why I got here. So I was part of that gold rush. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we, I invited both of us, we invited half nonprofit people and half tech people. And the homework was to read the piece. Right. And then to talk about it. Yeah. Cause we really wanted to understand like what people's opinions were. And I also yeah. wanted to give some visibility to each other's worlds in that context. I, I, high level. I think what I recall coming out of that was technology has just made it, had made it too easy for people to game systems. So like mm -hmm. we would talk about like Craigslist came along and then all of a sudden everyone has access to that kind of, that kind of thing. And in the case of what we're really talking about is real estate and displacement. Mm -hmm. There were tons of like, people that had more money were just able to find out about deals faster. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like there yeah. was just, there wasn't that like, Hey, my cousin's subletting a place. It was <laughs> like, you'd put it somewhere where a lot of people would find out about it. And anytime that would happen, people that had the most money and the fastest access were the ones that were going to take it. And I think that's kind of where we came with like the churn of, uh, real estate, which has only gotten worse. Like I, I can't believe how many cranes there are in the city and how much construction. But there that's is in the a, city. that's a joke across the country right yeah. now with this, like I, I'll get in, you know, a lift in any, I travel a lot for work and I can get in a lift in any, uh, first or second mark tier market city in the, in the country right now. And 
I've been told that Stop joke, that's the sky, the, the skyline joke yeah. of the cranes yeah. in Atlanta, yeah. in Nashville. Everyone yeah. thinks it's their joke. Yeah. That they're, you know, and I'm like, this is what's it's happening everywhere. in America right yeah. now. The urbanization. Like, of, the urbanization. Of the and, you know, on one hand, it's like a good thing because uh, there's densification happening. Mm -hmm. There could be some efficiencies there. It also means that there's like some industries booming. Mm -hmm. But then the displacement part is the other side mm -hmm. of it. So it is always interesting for me to pulse out just because I feel like it's interesting talking to drivers because they're kind of just like people making it work in their city. Yeah. You know, some are going through gentrification push out issues with that those cranes and others are like this is great you know my cousin just got a job at the new fancy company that moved downtown and yep. you know like and, and there's some economic viability there so you know it's it, you know it's interesting trying to think about how we live and function in america and space and yep. our cities yep. and where there are where there are opportunities and I think those things maybe aren't in contest, but where are people starting to be happy? Like well, this is, this where, is where we were talking about. This is where we were talking so about. So we, uh, I picked you up like two hours ago, so yeah. we've had a lot of time to talk. And one of the things we talked about was this idea of a dream of like having a piece of land and yeah. like having acreage and having a the white picket fence and yeah. like a house, something to call your own, yeah. uh, the comfort of having something you call your own. And one of the things I said to you, which I'll repeat for 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 the podcast, is. There, I have no interest in just owning a box inside another box. It yeah. just doesn't. And some people, they do. Like they feel like ownership in 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 real estate, it doesn't matter for them. They just they can call it theirs. Mm -hmm. But to me, like I'm not I'm not comfortable in that. Like I wouldn't be comfortable knowing that there's eight other units, and like if one person leaves a hairdryer on, the whole place can go up. In <laughs> right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. that's why when I when I was we were talking about like moving to North Carolina and yeah. getting like a spatial pad, it's like. Um, that to me is more of a comfort and that to me would be more of like ownership, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. But maybe we don't own anything cause it's not our earth, right? It's not, but you're stewards, right? And <laughs> right, then I'll right, put right. my little hippie hat on. You do? I mean, it's, it, and I, there is something about that though. Like I, I do have an apartment in the city that I've, I've have rent control on and so I'm kind of locked in, but it's, it's a sweet little place. Yeah. Um, I mean, at this point, I mean, I struggle with this because in terms of, you know, talking about place and comfort, it's a place I moved into when I was in my mid twenties and now I'm in my upper thirties mm -hmm. and the things that were okay with me then like yeah. aren't okay. Maybe okay with me now, but there's like, I have a limited ability of what I can change because give me I, like an example of something that like, I oh, feel yeah. like you have something top of mind. Oh, well, I mean, up. well, this is just normal, you know, renter stuff, Bullshit. but like, you know, like sure. When I moved into the little place when I was 25 and doesn't have a washer or dryer on site <laughs> or a dishwasher, I was gonna say, it's gotta be dishwasher yeah, or washer but you dryer. know, like I work, uh, I work crazy hours now yeah. and like not have, like <laughs> we have to leave at some point. My whole thing was working around me needing to do laundry. Yeah. I have to leave for New York next week for design week. Yeah. I've got to like, I like, it's my only time to do laundry yeah. cause it's going to take me three hours and I have to do drive to do it. Like at this stage in my Isn't life, there a pick up? there's got to be a pickup. I mean, place. but I don't. I principle. About, you have a principle. My underwear in other people's hands. It's you know, just I, a thing, man. That I understand. <laughs> that I understand. But right, so so like I I struggle with like comfort in terms of like oh I know this space, but yeah. then also like um, maybe it's not serving me anymore. And that's right. how I think about cities too a little yeah. bit. Like yeah. I love San Francisco so yeah. much. You know, I I loved living in New York. Um, I've lived other places that I love, but you know, am I, I, when I first left, when I went, uh, quit my job and I put all my stuff in storage, I was questioning, did I love San Francisco or, or was I just comfortable with San Francisco? Yeah, totally. And I'm back to that space again. Yeah. Yeah. Hard. And I, my, my decision at the time in 2010, and then I moved to New York, I did still end up leaving San Francisco, but when I moved back to San Francisco from New York, yeah. I realized it wasn't that I... I legitimately did love the place. Yeah. I wasn't just comfortable. Like, like you, I you had enough data at that point. To yeah, be like, I yeah. I really like. I did choose want to choose to live here. I think it's funny too when I think about like being older and like I like people get older and they like move to Florida. Yeah. Because the weather never changes. Right. You know, right, like because right. they don't want to have to deal with the discomfort of a cold winter or you know taking ice off their windshield. Right. And it there is something to be said. Although I will say you you probably travel more than anyone I know. 
Like oh, you, some yeah. There's just, people that travel a lot. But I think I, this I way, for someone, I mean, you travel a lot for your job. Let me yep. put it that way. Like yep. I do know a few more digital nomad people that like have their own business and they're just constantly do- going somewhere. But I feel like you seem to have a great balance of you're constantly doing stuff for work, but that also means that you're constantly flying around. Yeah. How is that? Like, how is it to be have that? freedom of travel and and be like a bit of a i'll use the term jet setter even though we both know what real jet setters are <laughs> yeah, right. but to some people they would look at that and be like wow lonnie's always somewhere like you know i see you checking in in this town in this town but you're still doing it under someone else's banner how yeah. does that like yeah do you it's been just, it I, never in my life would i have thought i would be in a job where i would be given the option the ability to travel Got like it. i i work in non-profit mom and pop arts yeah. spaces yeah. was not going to give me they a jet really setter, have, you know, here's your credit card for jet blue. Right, right. So, you know, I have been really felt very fortunate and I've tried to take advantage of it um, as much as possible with my work travel. And I've been also fortunate that the cities I currently go to, I haven't been going to armpit Nebraska. I was going to say, you're you not know, working for Walmart. Yeah. I, so <laughs> fortunately, like I'm able to travel to like some fantastic places yeah. like, you know, Nashville, um, Portland, Seattle, the West Coast stuff, you know, DC, um, and get to explore some cities I had not had urban time in. Yeah. Um, What's your favorite city wonderful. outside of San Francisco right now? I don't know. I just like how I feel about people. They're all just have their own different flavor. Um, there, and, and, and I've been looking with a, um, with a thought process around where could I potentially live next? So it's been more about a livability thing for me, even if I'm fascinated with the like town and culture, like for example, for vacation, I actually recently for Halloween, I went to new Orleans and I love that city. Like I love it. And I thought about, could it, could it be some, some place that I could live next? Mm -hmm. Because one of the things I've thought about in, about next after San Francisco, because so much of it can't compete to what we have here. We're looking at the ocean right yeah. now. I love to surf. Taco you Bell. You know, it's, we, there's the Taco Bell and Lindemar. <laughs> it's a can't miss stuff. Um, you can hike. You can do you know, all the things everyone talks about here. Yeah. Um, so I almost feel like the next place I go might almost have to be comp- like not different. even trying to compete. Like can't even be LA because LA you would still maybe be similar. like it's similar. Too similar. There's a lot of similarities. Yeah. Do you? How do you feel about being landlocked? Because that's one of my things. I don't know. I if know. I, want to do that. I struggle with that a lot. Well, yeah. I, I grew up partially in Oregon, right? And I was landlocked there, but I had the woods. Yeah. And so I, woods and streams and lakes. Yeah. I think I need to be near some. I can't. But I also love the desert, so I don't know. Like it's. <laughs> <laughs> I had so I had a, a mentor that uh, some years ago that um, he was a therapist actually. Full disclosure, therapy's awesome. Um, if you have the right person. Yes. And he said, you know, I was at the time living. Uh, near the mountains and he said there's mountain people and there's ocean people yeah, yeah. and I was living because I was living in Boulder yeah and he's like you might just not be a mountain person uh-huh. he's like have you lived near the ocean I'm like well I lived in New York City he goes ah he yeah. goes it's kind of, New York City the ocean's kind of a backdrop yeah. it's not like people are out surfing and like going like you wouldn't really go sit like we are right now and I mean maybe you'd go to like Coney Island I I drove my there. surfboards when I lived in well, New York you're, and you're I, a special I, breed I, went we know. Over and I surfed in you know, rock away. But you, you had to make an effort to take that A yeah. train all the way out. Yeah, it was a little more, like, we were here in, like, 10 minutes from our house. Oh, and yeah. that's just amazing. And I think, like, when I think about that, and I do think about, like, we were talking about Nashville earlier, which yeah. I really love Nashville. Um, but this, at the same time, I'm like, would it be too small? Would I get bored? Would it be too much of one thing? Yeah. You know? Because well, I do feel like here... You, you can be, in two hours, you can be anywhere. You can be to the mountains. You can go skiing in four hours or three or four hours. Like, everything seems really close here. There's also, I almost think about this more than the landlocked physicality. Mm-hmm. Is landlocked cultural, like, bubbles. Mm-hmm. Because that's one thing Speak about America. About well, you know, I haven't really thought a ton about it, but just as you were talking it's about good, that. It's a good time to do yeah. it. <laughs> but, you know, a lot, of, a lot of landlocked cities in America Yeah that I think that you and I and our friends would want to live in mm-hmm. are people used to talk about Austin this way. Yeah. I grew up in Austin, a blue pimple on a red state. Ah, so you're in these like, yeah, I've, for some reason never heard that. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, it makes total sense. So many Texan sayings. It's yeah. just, you know, where do yeah. you begin? But like, you know, the places, I mean, maybe even Colorado is a great example. 
Boulder's really liberal. Yeah. And so you're talking about getting maybe constrained and bored within a small town. But then when you, part of the constraint is that there's, you're in a larger state in a larger region Uh that mentally is maybe not this like aligned with you or culturally not aligned with you. And that's even more isolating than just a boredom of like having been there, done that. Like the isolation of ideas. The isolation of ideas. Totally. Like I even feel like not only is there the expanse of, you know, being an ocean person, if we will, from, you know, rooting from your therapist, we're in San Francisco, but I feel like all of California to me is an extension of me and home. And mm. I, you know, there are parts, I mean, I, Northern California and some inland stuff where like I would maybe feel a little isolated if I was there. Yeah. But, you know, to me, when I think of the coastline, you know, the brain trust from here all the way down to LA yeah. is all ours, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. um, somehow that's an extension of a uh, comforting extension. I read a theory that it's because we get more oxygen. <laughs> But we get all the pollution Coming from China. That's what I read. That's true. We do. <laughs> and and yeah. Wow, I didn't think about that. Thanks. Really <laughs> shooting a hole. Don't worry, argument. I'll bring you down anytime. I went so I did a road trip a long time ago now, ten years ago, I guess it was, and I fell in love with Louisville, Kentucky. Okay, well, what have did you, you like there? about I know, I have not well, this is to me like it's a lot of what we're talking about. And I'll, I'll take it a step further. It's a lot of what we're talking about, plus um it's it's off, off. Like you were saying, first tier, second tier. Oh yeah, no. I don't even know a Louisville because <laughs> it's like a couple hours outside of like Nashville, I think, yeah. and like whatever is closest. Yeah. But I went there uh, on the advice of a musician friend. Okay. He was like, believe it or not, Louisville has a fantastic music scene. Went there, stayed two nights. Like went to a jazz club that was in somebody's basement. It was <laughs> in the, like the basement of a brownstone. There's all these huge, crazy Brooklyn-like brownstones in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. And. I don't know. I fell in love with it. And so it's been in the back of my mind for years. Like, yeah. Oh, that Louisville, Kentucky, the, the, what, how comfortable I would be if I moved there. Is it because, and part of it is though the accessibility that you could create something there possibly and not have to spend like millions of dollars to feel or have more impact maybe even mm-hmm. around it. Because that's another thing too. It's like, you know, you get this vibe being in a big city, there's all these opportunities and there's a ton of stimulus and that's wonderful. Yeah. But sometimes the impact that maybe you have, yeah, is lesson because it's you know so many fish in the sea kind of a thing and yeah. when you're big fish in a smaller pond totally. you have a little more like you're talking about you can go to someone's basement yeah. or living room and people are really engaged with you and then i so the second part of the story which is this is where i was going with it yeah. is uh i was in chicago and i ran into uh a, a dude that had left there he oh, grew up there right and i was telling him i'm like i was i think he however it came up he's like i'm from louisville and i, I did my thing where i'm like <laughs> Oh, it's like this idyllic place, isn't it? Like all these brownstones. And he's like, he was like, dude, it was racist. It was, there yeah. was nowhere to work. Yeah. I, I, I constantly felt like no one thought like me in school. Like it was guns, God. And you know what I mean? Like he went down this whole other path that I was like, of course, like someone that grows up there is going to be like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like my idyllic, like whatever it was in those two days I spent there was totally shot down by this person that, you know, is probably, you know, a pretty liberal, like artsy fartsy kind of person that was just like, I couldn't deal. Right. So isn't right. it weird? Like, right. it's like he was, he's now not now uncomfortable there as, and it's now a place that you could be comfortable. Well, maybe, maybe. or maybe I just didn't see. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Cause I'm always thinking about that other thing. Like, like we're sitting here staring at the ocean and we're like, well, maybe we shouldn't live in San Francisco. <laughs> it's just, it gets weird. It's like these ideas that you do. And maybe we're talking about comfort. Maybe we're the type of people that don't like to be too comfortable. Yes. Cause I don't, when yeah. I get too comfortable, I get a little, I get a little weirded out. Yeah. I shake shit up. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's a detriment of my life, but it's like, <laughs> there, there is something to be said for the other side of that. And that's why I'm like, when I said like, it's great that you travel all the time. I feel like people that travel like for some uh, modicum of time, they tend to be a little more grounded. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> weirdly, it, it's true, and it's funny. I mean, we were also talking earlier about like what what does ground ground you in terms of a home, yeah. right? And and so there's a groundedness, I um, where you can kind of just let things roll because you get a sense of universality around engagement with people, mm-hmm. like whether you travel internationally mm-hmm. or around the country. Like, you just see where the commonalities are, and you mm-hmm. kind of, like, let some of the bullshit roll off because mm-hmm. you're just 
comfortable, like how humanity works a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and you had said, not to interrupt yeah. you, but you had said, like when you're home, you want routine. Yeah. Routine's important to you when yeah. you're like, when you know you're going to be here in San Francisco, but you said when you're out, like anything goes. Like, oh, for sure. As far as like how yeah. you're going to get somewhere, what time you're going to get somewhere, maybe. I love to, but I, I like that push and pull of context. Like right. I, I like my parameters kind of set, like for travel, as long as I know when I'm flying when the out, lands lands and when when the it, yeah, then it's like any anything in between is is game. But um, and and even when I'm home, you know, I like to give myself opportunities for that. It's just you know, we all get locked into our schedules that are dictated by other things sometimes. Can I ask you? Yeah, I'm curious. Are you like a Google Calendar type person? Oh like, yeah. Are you? Oh yeah. Like, do you tell me a little about how you like set your life? <laughs> like using using that stuff. I'm just I'm curious. I Why? Was, Why I'm, are you curious about it? Uh, I have some theories, but not about uh, you. I just have some bigger theories. Okay. I'm just um, curious. Like, well, so I all right, first of all, how many Google calendars would you say you have that, oh, that you access on a regular basis? So I dive deep on my one, and I don't have I don't juggle multiple calendars. I, I you put everything on. One. I put everything on one, which is TMI if anyone was to ever look at it. Yeah. <laughs> Between like you know work stuff and then like my therapist or something like that, yeah, yeah. you know, but, um, color coded, it's, it's color coded. Yeah. yeah. It's color coded. I used to not be, uh, I remember when the, when the digital calendars first came out mm-hmm. and I was a big planner person, like sure. a physical planner. Yeah, sure. My favorite kind of planner mm-hmm. was the monthly oh, yeah. kind that in between had the weeks mm-hmm. like in every day. And I could write my to-do list on that. And right. I worked at the, you know, when I, I used to work at an art, uh, center in Golden Gate Park mm-hmm. that was intergenerational. So it was old people in the yeah. morning, seniors in the midday. The the kids would come after school. The little babies about five, mm-hmm. you know, the five year olds, and then later the teenagers when they got off school. And then in the evening, uh, we'd have uh, adults. Um, and it was the sweet little community, and it had a academic programmatic calendar to it. So I could just really be predictive in my modeling and this is a comfort thing too. It's like, it's, it it reminds me of, of the nesting and the home (laughs) thing that you're talking about. There was something lovely about just the calendar year of this academic, like quarterly thing that I could arc up and down and our art classes were 10 weeks long and I could pick, curate what teachers and what art programs were going on. And that talking about comfort, man, I love that planner. It gave me so much comfort because I could be, I could be really type A and predictive modeling on everything. Yeah, yeah. And it would come to fruition. In fact, I needed it to. That was important in my job was for those the predictability things. predictability of it. Yes, exactly. Because so, so many people were involved with it. And it was how we made our money. And they couldn't couldn't break that wheel. Yeah, I, I asked that question because I, I feel like how people manage their calendars, it, it opens up a, a bigger conversation about everything. Yeah. I, I know it sounds weird. Yeah. But, like, I, for example, I when I have a phone call with somebody... I always put it at five past. I never put it on. Like if I have a 9 a.m. call, yeah. I put 9.05. Yeah. And I only do that because I guarantee that I'll be running from one other thing. Right. Or something. Because back to back. Other people will be like, why don't you just put it like 9 to 9.30? And I'll be like, because I'm going to put it 9.05 to 9.25 because I can. And because that more accur- accurately represents the time that I'm going to be able to talk to this person on the phone. So and you, I get into you, these weird conversations. Do you feel guilty if you were if you had put it at nine, knowing that it would be nine oh five? Is there because you feel guilty that you would be five minutes late most often? I don't think it's guilt. I really have eradicated yeah, yeah. guilt from okay. my life. <laughs> what I think it is is if someone, if I'm waiting for a call from someone that set up a call for me, and it says nine o'clock and they're five minutes late, it pisses me off. Mm, mm. It's just a it's a psychological thing. Whereas if I know it's nine oh five, I'm like, oh great, I can grab a drink and take a pee before I take this totally. call. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So for me, it's more about getting rid of something that is ambiguous to me, which is the acceptance that you can be five minutes late. Mm-hmm. But if we're already, like, putting ourselves down on this thing and we're committing to it, why not be as ac- as accurate as possible? Right, right, so I was right. Just, I don't know. I just, I had a feeling you were a calendar person. I've become more of a calendar person. It well, took me a long time. Yeah. I, I Honestly, when I transitioned to corporate, I started yeah. to be more... Well, you have to. I, yeah, I, I like, I would support execs and I would help with their calendars and yeah. I just had to get really good at, yeah. at it. So, so now it's become a, a tool that I've been really comfortable with and I see where it's been beneficial for me so here's what yeah. I do I have two calendar apps on my phone 
and one is all work stuff, and yes. the other is all my like personal life stuff. Yes, and it's pretty rare. Every once in a while, if it's something that makes sense, I copy it to both. But I won't right. have most of the time. It's one or the other, and that contextually in my head, I'll be like, "Oh, on the weekend, yeah, let me check it." Like, like we have a mutual friend who puts everything on his work calendar. Yeah, and like because I put stuff, I've put stuff on his personal calendar. He's like, "Can you move that to my work calendar?" And I'm like, "No, but you can." Yeah. Oh like, no, I never tell someone. Like, I, I'm not I your put, EA, dude. Yeah, I just, you know I, what I mean. I, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But 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 I couldn't. I can't How just manage you, one see, calendar. So I, I tried that for a while, but then I would get. Um, uh, yeah, I'm good. Um, toggling between the two, I would find that um, I wouldn't always have my personal one open, and maybe I'd make a personal commitment to something and not contextually see it mm-hmm. with the lens of my work zone. So like, mm-hmm. I would maybe say yes to yeah, let's go out to that like club that I know the like you know DJ is not going to start till one a.m. and right. then. Like I'm, and then I throw it on top of my work week where I have like presentations due or something. Yeah. Like that was the shittiest week for me to yeah, say yeah. yes to something because I'm not looking contextually at both things. Yeah, that's why I have to do one calendar because I need to see like before I say yes to something in my personal life that like my work stuff. Just because I know that's yeah. where my energy goes through most of the day. Yeah. So I need to, <laughs> no, I get it, and that's for me when I know I'm going to copy it to both. Yeah. I really have to think about my time. Like, yeah. okay, is this worth it if I have to like tuck it in with my work stuff or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially because sometimes what I do, a lot of what I do tends to be social in nature. Like yeah. I go out after work and meet people. And, yeah. and generally if it's, if it's, if it's anything that's like dovetailing out of like five o'clock, I usually do put it on my work calendar just so it's easier. But yeah, I was just curious about that. It is funny to think that people used to have those massive planners. Some people still use analog calendars. Yeah. Well, they're kind of making a comeback with this whole creative doodle trend. You know how people are like they're like. What do you mean, like? Well, there's the whole. I've seen the group of people that like pencils. Thing. Yeah, yeah. People are it kind of roots itself in the adult coloring book. Yeah, thing. adult coloring books. Yeah, yeah, like a lot of the new organizers are now you 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 do your own like drawing of the weeks and your calendar and stuff. Like, I think I, I don't know. It's a little soccer mommy it's for me. Like much, I'm like I don't have time to too much time draw my own hands. calendar. <laughs> Even if it maybe flexes an artistic muscle, it's not the, it's not how I want to. I'd rather have time it. blocked off on my calendar to do something else yeah. and actually do that. I, I what do you do for create creative like your creative outlet right now? Yeah, I need to do I need another project right now. Um, I I haven't had an art show in a couple of years now, and I, like even though I'm not a working artist, um, that would be. It's always nice. To, I mean, you know, you're you're a musician. Like, it's yep. just nice to have a next gig to plan for and Love think it. about. And I feel freaked out when I don't have one. Right, right. And I'm feeling a little ungrounded and uncomfortable right now because I haven't um, figured that out. But um, yeah, you know, drawing and painting and and things like that. I think because now I've been working a lot with interiors and and um, uh, designs designing spaces. Um, I've been kind of getting my creative vibe off of like yeah that stuff like um it flexes your creative muscles yeah like sure. i'm going to like in new york it'll be design week and i'll be like looking at different like uh, furniture designers and stuff but yeah. like in a like be touring some places in brooklyn of like independent yeah. furniture makers and things like that and honestly like i my arts background my bfa i got in fibers which uh People, yeah, people always think it's just like weaving and stuff. And I know people in my department that did that, but there's also kind of a fashion design aspect to, to it. I was working, I found that at the time there wasn't an art um, degree uh, that was kind of more contextual or like experimental. And so I was able to do um, kind of more conceptual art gallery installations with this idea of fibers because I was like weaving metal or putting strings up in gallery spaces and it could kind of like fall under that but I've always had a real affiliation um an affinity for for craft yeah and so and I like physical pieces and I like the utilitarian nature that art can sometimes be yeah um I feel like in your job you have to do that a little bit like those crazy chairs that you got off (laughs) off the lobby yeah I mean I think I think people should live with things of good design, yeah, you know, and yeah. it can give you a lot of joy. You were just talking about um, today uh, having expensive sunglasses that you you yeah. lose once a year. And yeah. I'm like, but does it? Get, I mean, I know it's so. What's her name? 
you know, the, uh, the joy, the spark of joy or whatever for mm. tidying up. Oh, but yeah, like, the, the tidy, the tidy <laughs> yeah. book that everyone read. Um, but, but it is a little bit of does it give you joy. And I, I think that I, I say that all the time with art, like whether or not you see a painting. I'm like, like if it really speaks to you, yeah. buy, buy it. I, like, or music, you know, if it, if it really like yeah. speaks to you, like support that artist, like buy that album. Like It took me years to start buying art and not because I didn't have the money, but because I couldn't commit. Like, oh, and maybe that goes back to not having a space. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, I had years where I would have, like, my mom was a painter and I had some of her paintings. But when I would go out and, like, see somebody that I actually knew and they'd have a piece of art, paintings probably are the worst because paintings you can almost always say yes and, and keep moving them. Yeah. But, like, a sculpture or something that was, oh, like, yeah. installationally uh, cool, I'd be like, I don't have a place that I feel... Like, this isn't going to be meaningful to me right now because yeah. the space I'm going to put it... I mean, I guess I could say the art is meaningful to me. But I think for me... and. Clearly, like, I feel like you're, you could expound upon this. Like, when you take something and you take it in the context of this person made it, and then the next place it goes, for me, that's, like, really important. Yeah, Like, yeah, even yeah. though it might, re- like, I got a bunch of shit when I was down in, like, Cabo. Uh-huh, yeah. You know, right. and Toto Santos. Yeah, And yeah. they're, like, probably a dime a dozen things, but they're, yeah. like, these cool little, like, you know, they take a bunch of little pieces of, uh, like, trinket metal stuff, and they make, like, a heart out of it. Yep. And that, to me, is like, oh, cool, this reminds me I was in Toto Santos, you know? Well, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong, and I think it's nice to earmark, you know, spaces in life with certain things to yeah. have around you. Yeah. But some people don't operate like that. I mean, you know, going back to comfort and, and like, you know, space, you know, we were talking, like, about... Some people operate on a nomadic kind of level. I mean, yeah. we're in an RV right now. Do you feel like you are now becoming maybe a more of a nomad in that way than where maybe. you're comfortable to, to have a house on wheels? Or, maybe. I or think, is it just a vehicle for you to get around? No, I I think, I've, I think I've, I'm think i way more comfortable in move, like being mobile mm-hmm. than I maybe ever thought. And anytime that I haven't, I get a little I get antsy. Mm-hmm. I get antsy if I don't you know, travel or move a lot. I'm, I'm not like Kristen who is, she, she will like, she needs to like book an international flight. Yeah. Like I, she's like, I gotta know I'm flying to Italy or yeah, something. Yeah. Whereas I'm like, you know, it's Friday. Let's go to Big Sur. Yeah. And I get that. I get enough, uh, out of that to not feel like super, like it, it, it scratches that itch. Um, but I, I, I love the idea of, uh, having what you do, um, having a, a, a vocational money making life that allows you to travel a lot. I think it's fantastic. It's I think, been great. I think it's cool because, well, for you, it's mostly domestic. It's currently mostly domestic. We'll see yeah. if it goes beyond that. I mean, it has afforded me, um, I, you know, I just recently went surfing in Morocco and was in Paris and Istanbul and Istanbul for the first time. And I just fell in love with it. Yeah. Um, back to comfort. Some places just ring of you somehow what do you think that is i don't know what that is i mean obviously i say it's past lives (laughs) i like that idea um yeah i mean something resonates right like and it's important to stop and reckon like recognize that and that is one thing i've been trying to be diligent about and as i get older is not being flipped flippant about when something rings true yeah in friendships or jobs or even if it's walking down the street mm-hmm. and you, somebody's energy or something mm-hmm. just like sees, you know, you stops you or, yeah. or, or catches your attention. Yeah. And, um, and so this year, like I'm, I'm, I'm going back to Istanbul this fall because I was like, I want to follow up on this. Great. Like I want to follow That's up awesome. on this energy Not and just like a one and done thing. Yeah, exactly. We do that a lot with travel, like been there, done that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's not the best way to go. Right. And, and, and trying to, you know, maybe it help, it will help me dig deeper into figuring out as we constantly are exploring and because we change, like what is you and what makes you comfortable yeah. and why, is, and dive into why it is. I feel, um, something there in that space of that city. And then maybe that'll help me figure out what I'm looking for in the next place I live. Sure. I don't know. Sure. Um, cause I feel like I'm, that's the search that's been going on with this you know, yeah. Where next? And what best? What's your best life, right? Like, well, you, 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 yeah. I think it's more than ever we're aware of our time here. Yeah. You know, it's not. I think culturally, we're 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 science is starting to really like 
take over the mystic and yeah. and and I mean I still believe in a lot of the mystic but not necessarily like the religious parts you know what mm-hmm. I mean but I think that we are a little more uh, also able to take the time to do like time is limited but we have like more comforts to be able to like fly to Morocco you right. know what I mean oh, like yeah. it's not that hard for you to like get on a plane and go online and find a, an Airbnb or a hotel you know like those things are way easier than, than ever before so there's kind of like a it's two sides of that how do you, yeah, what do you think about the comfort of an Airbnb? Like, how do you feel about, like, yeah. when you, because Airbnb has changed a lot since it first was launched when it was kind of an extension of couch surfing. Yeah. And it was just kind of a utilitarian, like, this is cheaper than a hotel. And yeah. it's somebody's house and maybe get a kitchen. But you didn't have these grand expectations of it being yeah. this, like, I yeah. hate to say the word again, curated experience. Oh, yeah. But now you, you know, there's this universal design feeling of airbnbs that yeah is this like white you know whitewashed totally. kind of blown out the white and the wood and it feels yeah. like a, a four bell or a co- coffee shop or something <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. a, and it's universal like yep. i've read articles about how you know people that travel for tech like they'll get an airbnb in japan or indo or in brazil and it's same the same touches touches uh, you know i've come full circle i signed up for airbnb in like 2006 i think it was like the first year it launched in, in, in new york uh and at the time we had two places so when we were in one place which was upstate i would airbnb our brooklyn place yeah um i was a big airbnb person for a long time and now i'm like complete opposite i love yeah. Going to a hotel, knowing that the sheets are clean. Yeah. If I'm staying for multiple days, knowing that someone's going to come in and make my bed, take your trash out, my towels, <laughs> yeah. all that stuff. There's a there's a mini bar. There's a gym. Like yeah. I, I, for some reason, I I flipped the script on that, and I don't know if it's. I it actually it goes back to comfort. Like I pretty much know what the bed's going to be good. I pretty yeah. much know that the sheets are going to be clean. Yep. It's about comfort. And Airbnb, while I understand it and I appreciate it, and I used it for years, and I was a host for years. Yeah, like, hosted multiple places. It's become the opposite for me. I just, I don't, I, I want to know what, what I'm going to get. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I know I, I use, I use both. Uh, I don't use Airbnb a ton. Yeah. As like some people like really yeah. are well, like majority Airbnb, less hotels. Some people are kind of dual. I'm probably a little more hotel for work. I'm a little more hotel mostly cause I'm in and out and I do need to know like if I'm someplace and I gotta, you know, I need to know I can get something to eat yep. downstairs right totally. away because I gotta get to a, a meeting. Wake up call. Uh, yeah, not, there's not a noisy neighbor right, that you right. can't complain about. But if I'm if I'm in a city for a long stay, yeah, uh, I've taken advantage of like having an Airbnb uh, cottage in East Nashville for a week. That and that is different. Is different, and yeah. like I got to experience, uh, you know where do you want to live next thing? Like yep. try my hat on in like, this is what it would be like yeah. to have home ownership in, in East Nashville. Yeah. And I can walk to the bars. I, you know, I can walk, you know, yep. like it, I, I will say, not to interrupt, I think yeah. the, uh, the kitschier unique ones, I still like, like I still mm-hmm. like every time I go to South by, I stay at this, my, this dude who's now my friend. Yeah. He's got four Airstreams in his backyard yeah. and I stay in one of his Airstreams. Yeah. Uh, that's a different experience, you know, yeah. or like, um, if there was like a tree house down in Big yeah. Sur, I would do yeah. something like that. But, yeah. but if I'm in a metropolitan area and I know that there's like, I mean, this is, it'll sound terrible. Like there's like an Ace or a Kimpton or something that's going to give me that, yep. that little comfort feeling that I love. Well, it's a bit like, of an indulgence yeah, too. I mean, yeah. there's something about that. That's the other part of it is, it is like, more expensive usually too. That's the other thing I would say. What, hotels are? Hotel, yeah. I feel like hotels Airbnbs are, are catching up, Yeah, though. well, they have all those taxes they have to pay now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're still cheaper than hotels because hotels have become so expensive, yeah, I feel like. Yeah, I agree. Ta- hotels are always more expensive. Yeah. Creature comforts. Comfort. Yeah. It's the comfort of familiarity. <laughs> what, um, the other thing I want to talk about comfort, not to um, kind of switch it up, but we, so we ate the Taco Bell uh, earlier, and I said this to you <laughs> off mic, I had this total weird, I, yeah, I did say it, I had this weird feeling that I was like 22 again, and in co- like coming out of college. Uh, I thought you were going to talk about how we both have heartburn. Well, we do have heartburn. And, that is, and how uncomfortable I am around that. I don't recommend, it's, the D- Dorito shell taco is, uh, it's a stoner delight, but it is a heartburn. Oh, yeah, we, we both decided sure. to get the familiar thing, Right. and I think Seven we both layers. at the same time had... <laughs> A, a throwback because yep. we <laughs> both used to get the seven layer burrito at Taco Bell in high school days, yep. you know, and like I hadn't even thought about a seven layer burrito yep. nope. since probably I was 18. Yeah. And, and like it did just hearken yeah. to, you know, here we were standing out at this open air, 
a pickup order window <laughs> facing the Pacific Ocean. You gotta Ocean. watch the video. <laughs> and, and the sign next to it is, if feeder Sandy order from window bar. So yeah. it couldn't have been a more contextually different place, <laughs> but like it immediately took me back to, you know, the 45 minute lunch where you all cram and the person who has a, a license is old beat up car and you're like no seatbelts and you're just trying to get to like wherever you can get to with your five dollar lunch money what can you buy for yeah. that <laughs> the irony too is that that's comfortable it was comfortable to like have that feeling but yeah i'm so uncomfortable eating that food I like i just it feels like i'm eating plastic now yeah. and um and i i i don't regret it because it was a great experience but i i definitely won't do it over and i think that's funny like thinking about that because you know when people talk about comfort food yeah it i think the idea of comfort food comes from food like that was cooked at home uh-huh. um so when i see it out when they're like we sell comfort food yeah i'm always just like that's so interesting to me because it's like you're eating out and yes. like technically comfort food is actually something you was made for you like from the heart so now it's like this mark yeah it always has been it probably always, a marketing yeah. Yeah. a marketing phrase i mean um, i think sometimes i always kind of consider comfort food too obviously the heavy warming things sure you like, know which like are kind a, of a like manifestation a chili yeah sort of like the oatmeal, mac and cheese mac and, and cheese the, you know, oh so thing. good <laughs> we went to this people place. talk about salads as comfort food <laughs> salads are not ever <laughs> under that that umbrella specifically which is, I but I, I get a lot of comfort from them. Like, I, a I salad, feel, yeah. I feel better when I eat a Like, I eat yeah. a salad, I feel good. But it doesn't... You know what it is? Maybe it's the, the texture of it. Yeah, I think there is a textural thing. Because it's crunchy yeah. and I, cold. I find a lot of comfort in... Um, I've realized the last couple of years, on Sunday nights... I don't. I definitely don't do it every Sunday. Sure. Maybe once a month, to be completely honest, do I do this. However... If I can make a crock pot mm. Sunday night, you got it for like, the whole week. You can. I have it week. for the whole week, and it's usually a crock pot soup. I don't usually do pork shoulder. You know, people yeah. can go crazy because yeah. I want something healthy and warming and yeah. comforting. Yeah. And the comfort of knowing I don't have to think about what's yeah. for dinner because I don't get home till late a Love lot. Love crock pots. But you know that that is the comfort food of, and the meditation. I don't. I used to like to do a lot of cooking, but now I work. I don't get home till so late that um, mm-hmm. I don't get that opportunity to do the unwind and chop yeah. things and kind of like zen out, yeah. like lose yourself in that. So kind of setting that up yeah. on a Sunday night really helps me through that week yeah. mentally as well as like physically through. You going to do it tonight? If I get time to go to the grocery store. <laughs> Tonight's turning into a long a long one, but because um, I have to do laundry. Uh. <laughs> Adulting, man. I, so I try to cook dinner like probably, I try to cook dinner at least once or twice a week, but I try to cook dinner for other people once or twice a month. That's wonderful. And that to me is, it hits a lot of, hits a lot of things. One, there's, there's, I love the, like you said, the meditation. I think that's a great word for cooking because you are sitting there and you have to plan it out. Um, two, I know that I'm going to like get instant feedback from people. Uh Like I had some folks over on uh, last week and, uh, I took a risk with a dish and, um, everyone was quiet and, you know, I think I, we live in this feedback culture. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted something, but then I had this moment where I'm like, everyone's eating. <laughs> and yeah. everyone got seconds. Yeah. So I was sitting there kind of waiting for, like, some that, verbal, like, yeah, anything. response. But in actuality, if someone's enjoying your food, they're probably not going to – they're just the, going to they, eat it. I they're mean, I, gonna... I think in terms of, like, home cooking – if everyone's quiet, it's because everyone's chowing yeah. down and loving it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. But I do, I, I, the other thing I would say about that is, um, you should come over for one, by the yeah, way. Um, I try to, we try to put together like, you know, five, six people. Yeah. Um, and it, I think there's something about having food. Everyone kind of, it is, there's a, a piece of, uh, I'm talking about comfort. We're talking about comfort. There's a piece of, uh, it breaks down something because everyone's sitting, eating, um, you end up talking about things very organically. You, you generally talk about some pretty deep issues. Like you, you usually get into like the stuff of like, why do we do what we do? Like, yeah. why do we live where we live? Um, all the reasons that I love doing this podcast. Um, but there is something, I think people just like when you eat together, like just like breaks that stuff down. Like yeah. even if I think about in the professional space and I know you've done this a lot too. Like I've taken a lot of people out, um, for work. Mm-hmm. And I generally, you learn a lot about people in those moments. Like you mm-hmm. learn um, not only how they, let me take a step back. I, I read an article about a CEO that takes candidates to breakfast. 
Okay. And he tells, he has the same space. It's like across the street from the office. And he tells the way, they always know that they tell the waiter to screw up the person's order. So that when they bring the wrong thing, he sees how the candidate reacts to the waiter. Wow. And that's how he gets the most signal about how they're going to be in the workplace. Isn't that crazy? I think that's such a good idea. It's pretty manipulative, it's too. Manipulative. <laughs> no, I mean, I love it, but I'm also obviously thinking about what I would do and that, you know, like wh- how I would be as that candidate. And like, you'd be awesome. Then, you'd be like, oh, no big deal. I guarantee you'd be like, no big deal. This <laughs> isn't what I ordered. It depends like, on what the job is and who the CEO is right. or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, are they looking for somebody that's going to make sure and call it out because they, for the company, need it to be right yeah. and then they're going to call out a vendor if something's wrong yeah. or whatever? Or are they looking for someone who, I mean, I get he's getting he's he's looking for communication and how right. someone communicates in this mm-hmm. in this space, but um, you know, sometimes when you're a candidate, you're like, you know, maybe you don't say anything because you don't want to disrupt the experience. Right, like just, it's tough. <laughs> it's he, tough. Yeah, he said he always looks for people that speak up but do it in a way that you know everyone's on the same page. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're not like belittling or ridiculing. Yeah. And he says he he said he's been in a few instances where it is like the ridicule or like they're like angry or they bad they they. They or talk down, snap, snap at whatever, them, and yeah. then immediately after that, he tells them that he did it on purpose and that they're not going to get a job. Okay, so he does disclose it. That's good. He discloses it afterward. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I think yeah. it's kind of a cool little. Oh yeah. There's something about eating with people. You just like the they. What was like when I was single? Like they'd be like, never go out to dinner on the first date. Oh no. No, yeah. no. I get. I like to get coffee. I don't even like to get a drink anymore. Oh good. So you get people like if they're sober. Yeah, sober. Yeah. I also like that coffee can be like any time of the day. True. You know, and like I sometimes I want to just shake up that it's not an evening thing and like the kind of romantic pressure of that and that it can, can, you know, like. Yeah, I have a friend that does, he does day dates now. Yeah. They'll meet at like, like a art, uh, like a museum or something. Yeah. He likes it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, like no, what was it? Like no dinner on the first date, no movies on the first date. Yeah. Because you have to be able to talk and you have to be able to communicate. Plus, like, I feel like both a movie and a dinner, that's a pretty big commitment if it sucks. Yeah, it's two hours. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever walked out on someone in the middle of a date? Like a dinner? Uh, I don't think I've technically walked out on anyone. I I did in the last couple of months. Like, I'm very rarely on the apps, the dating sure, apps. Sure. But every once in a while, I give it the old heave ho and um, met somebody, and it was for a drink, and it was just not going to work out. So I kind of walked out because then he he wanted to go someplace else, even though it was it was kind of terrible. So I had to like decline mm, continuing he didn't it. Get it. He didn't get but it. like yeah, so I kind of had to hard walk out on that. But I had spent an hour already. Yeah, having the drink. Enough. So <laughs> I, I the thing I used to do is I would set it up before we met as I would say it would be one drink, and then if either one of us is having a good time, they offer the second drink. Mm-hmm. That would be my thing. And if, yeah. if the decline comes, then you just know that the other person's not interested. Yeah. I had a few where it was like had one drink, both of us were like, "Nice to meet Bye, you." Yeah, never, no, yeah, never, yeah, never yeah. see you again. <laughs> uh, what else? Is there anything else we should cover? I mean, I feel like we talked a lot today. We talked we really a lot turned today. the we only turned what? the microphone on for the bit, end, end a game very event. tiny bit. Um, what do you, okay? Let's end with like something big. What when you think of the when you think of being comfortable? What's like? What's the scenario that immediately comes into your mind? My down comforter. <laughs> I just made my bed again this morning. I mean, it gives me so much joy. That's great. Like, I really like heavy blankets on me. Yeah. And I do like to sleep. And yeah. I just, like... Yeah. When I finally upgraded my my bed linens and, like, Dude, finally found that, like, feather comforter... Agree. Agree. It's it just... It's, it's real good. Yeah. It's clutch. <laughs> no, I, it's real good. <laughs> Yeah, I immediately, when I was asking you that question, I thought of um, just being like a big bubble bath, like just being in a tub uh-huh. and just like that when, when the water, cause it, it's not, there's only a certain amount of time where the water is just right. Oh, for sure. Like it's a yeah. little hot when you first yeah. get in and you put yeah. up with it and then you have like a good three or four minutes where it's just right. Yeah. And then it's it all, on the way down. Yeah, yeah. I have friends that go to uh, hot springs all the time mm-hmm. and that's the way that they're like, I go to the hot springs cause it just, it's, it doesn't go away. I can stand there all day and I'm just like, I get it. I get it. What's the most comfortable, like, place? Like, if you're just needing to ground. Yeah. And, like, is it going to a park? Is it, you know, going to listen to music? Yep. Is it, like, what is your your comfort space for that? I have a weird one because I, I would say nature is always big. But I like to play drums. 
Okay. I, so I have a drum. I'm lucky I have a basement and um, there's a drum kit there. And I will, especially if I'm full of anxiety, I'll just go down and just play. Like there's no agenda to it. I just start playing. And inevitably, once I find a pattern or a rhythm that I can stick to, I just stay with it until my, my brain goes off. Mm-hmm. It just it, it, It's a very specific point when it happens. Mm-hmm. And then now, which I, it wasn't always like this, now I recognize it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like yeah. I've come to that point in my life where I'm like, okay, cool. I, I did it. Yeah. And then it's, then it's, then either I can keep going or I can stop at that point. Cause I'm already, I've moved off whatever, That's whatever great. I was getting stuck on. Yeah. How about you? What's yours? Um, I think, you know, nature is for me also that grounding space and it's either usually going for a run in, I, I live right off of sea cliff yeah. and so I can run. You're probably out here very fast, right? I am. I mean, it's only one mile according to my phone, uh, <laughs> from my door to Ocean Beach or behind um, the Legion of Honor, I can run these trails so I can get out of my headspace pretty quickly yeah. when I just get myself off the threshold of my space to go do it. And and then surfing, like being immersed in the water. Oh, it's yeah. funny how, well, I, when you were saying, I, I, I knew what you were going to say when you said the drums and I'm glad you 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 actually verbalized it of turning your brain off yeah. because that is actually I don't know like used to I used to as a child just think of comfort as just warm fuzzy feelings or something and now comfort and I don't know if this is a adulty thing mm. is turning your brain off and like that was what what first drew me to surfing was mm-hmm. being immersed in the water kind of like a comforter yeah, or something yeah. an immersion but also. I have to be able, I can't be in my head because I have to be alert mm-hmm. to everything, but it's a, it's a, um, alertness that's not hyper alert. It just has to be outside of me. And yep. so I can still dream and have thought process, but it's just more calming. And I feel like that's that turning point in your head with, with the drums. Yep. It's like where it's something else besides the churn of your own thoughts. It's, isn't it weird that like that's comforting as opposed to just like kind of a surroundings yeah, thing, I think you know? I think what's interesting about all the stuff that we just talked about is they're physical. Like, yeah. it's the connection of mind and body. Yeah, and then also with with environment. Like, yeah. it's all three things kind of going together. Yeah, like yeah. when you're out doing your thing on the like, there's survival in there too. Right. Well, that's why I have to turn you know my yeah. brain off a yeah. little bit because I have to focus on that. So it's it's interesting because it's it's actually same with drumming. It gets you to the most primal brain yeah. that you have. Yeah. Like I'm just getting into a rhythm. Yeah. Like a rhythm. Do you do that when you song right? And, and you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I th- I'm thinking also then just about like creating like drawing and stuff like that. It's I, not, there's less physical thing space around that contextually, but it yeah. also is turning. I, yeah. Um, songwriting is interesting for me. I don't, I, I usually just start writing. Mm-hmm. There's two ways it happens. Either I make music first, which is 80% of the time, but more recently I've just been writing lyrics mm-hmm. and then putting music to them. Mm-hmm. But I think most people that I've talked to that are songwriters, they do, they just do music and then they kind of like, to me, it's always about finding that rhythm of, okay, like, da 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 and then the words kind of go, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's like cooking. I think, for me, the reason I love cooking and music, because they're both, there's going to be one thing in the end, but you need all these different pieces that are going to fit together, like, like, like have a, a, a complement to each other, like yeah. a harmony to each other. Yeah. Um, songwriting is actually very therapeutic, as long as you can get away from whether it's good or not. Right. Kind of like a lot of things, right? Yeah. Cooking's the same way, like... If you're cooking for yourself, yeah, um, and it sucks, you know. But you're like, well, at least I tried that thing, you know. <laughs> I experimented, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and think, well, I think that's part of the reason I have people over. Like, I like to cook just for me and Kristen, but then the part of the reason I have people over is because I do have to kind of step it up a notch. Uh-huh. Like, I have to ask everyone their dairy restrictions, so all of a sudden I have different parameters. Yeah, which uh-huh. also helps you be more creative, as you know. Like, I totally you have agree with that. Yeah, I love. I, yeah. I do. I do actually work better and more creatively when I have. Totally. Context uh, that I'm needing to work around or limitations. Totally. Yeah. yeah, same. I've, I've been working on the same record since October. Uh-huh. I have 25 songs written. Right. And I just today, actually, before we we met, I'm like, I need to set a deadline for this. Because yeah. if I don't, I'm just going to keep putzing around with it. Yeah. Because there's no, I mean, it's not like, I mean, with art, it's not like we're like artists with a gallery opening. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just you're doing it for you. So yeah. then you're like, well, when's it done? It'll be done when it's done. Okay, that's cool. But when is that? Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, put an end date on it. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. For sure. It's gotta, there's a delivery that needs to happen. Yeah. Or not. Maybe it's just something you turn on forever, but you know. Well, it's like, I. there's times where I'll sit down with musicians. They're rare now, but we'll just play. 
mm-hmm. like we'll just get in a room. We have two hours. We're just gonna play. There's no like end game. To Do you it. find that therapeutic? And, I love it. Yeah, but yeah. it's it's so funny that like like if I think about my whole career being in bands, yeah. like you, when you finally get in a band, you're trying so hard to do something. Then you kind of hit this, like in my probably early thirties, I hit this sweet spot where I had a rehearsal space with a bunch of dudes and we would, there was no agenda. We weren't even a band. We would just, the four of us would get together, smoke a ton of weed and just play, you know, for hours, sometimes three, four hours. And that was the most rewarding, like like moments unto themselves talk about comfortable you're just like there's no like no one it's the four of us you know what i mean Mm -hmm. just that sense of community and and no no agenda um Mm -hmm. which is so hard like how hard is that like thinking about everything we talked about today like google docs google (laughs) google calendars and what time can you meet and where how long is it to get to the taco bell and like just allowing your i mean you're still in parameters but allowing yourself just to get in there like probably when you you know when you get into um you know, on the surfboard, you know, you're going to be there from this time to this time. You have no idea what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. is so like rare mm-hmm. almost. Yeah. Okay. Got to carve out some freedoms within that Google, <sighs> Google Cal. Amen. Food. Have fun. Well, thanks life. for doing this. Thank you. I knew it'd be fun. <laughs> Yay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Check out our video. If anyone listened this far and, uh, yeah. Talk to you later. Bye. Oh, that, I had so much fun. Uh, that was also Mother's Day. I think I mentioned that in the video, but um, it was just, it's so good to like have the ocean and it was weirdly comfortable eating terrible, terrible fast food uh, when you're in that setting uh, with good people. So thank you, Lonnie. Be sure to check out our other podcasts, Ear Hopper Presents. Subscribe at iTunes. And if you're really feeling good, Go ahead and give us a five-star rating. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with some supplemental video. And I look forward to uh, keeping the season going. I've got some very uh, equally cool guests on the horizon. Have a great week and take it light.